Welcome to more about officership, an open and honest discussion about officership in Australia. As we move towards One Australia Territory, host Captain Matt Reeves is joined by officers from across the country to discuss the challenges and rewards of being an officer today. Well, here we are again for another week, another podcast, another episode with some uh, great officers exploring ministry. I want to say thank you to those that have... Uh, given us some feedback through the Facebook page or through email um, or conversations that we've had. If you've got any requests for topics or people you'd like us to speak to or even um, uh, stories that need to be told, um, let us know. We're trying to find all the ways we can for people to explore ministry in the Salvation Army. Uh, got two very special guests today with us. We've got uh, Major Brenda Young, who is Captain. currently... Are you a major? No, Captain. You're a Captain. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's gone down in my eyes very quickly. <laughs> and uh, Young. Captain. No, Major. Major. No, no, just a Captain. Captain uh, <laughs> Michelle Davies Kilday. Okay. So anyway, it's great to have you and welcome uh, to the podcast. Thank you. What we would like to do, I would like to do, is to kind of explore with you both. Um, you've known each other for a long time. I don't want to put that big emphasis on long, <laughs> but you've known each other all your lives and you grew up in the same sort of neighbourhoods and that sort of stuff. So, Brenda, we might start with you. Can you just tell us a little bit about your involvement with the Salvation Army from the very beginning or when it picked up for you? Um, yeah. So I uh, grew up in the Northgate, um, suburb of Northgate, and uh, I had been to kindergarten with Michelle and school with Michelle, and she lived uh, not that far away from me. And my first encounter with the Salvation Army was uh, because she invited me along to a school holiday program uh, and I went to that and then beyond that uh, knew that they played netball and I wanted to play netball with them. And oh, you were netball. Uh, yeah, oh, we went to Faulkner yes, Park. we were Faulkner Park girls. Yeah. Yep. Is that the with the grass courts? Yep. Yep. I remember that. Yep. yep. In the winter, in the rain. In the mud. In the mud. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Carry on. Um <clears throat> And my my mum was actually of the opinion that uh, if you were going to participate in all the social activities that the church offered, then uh, you should also therefore go to their, you know, their, the religious side of it. You should actually go to the Sunday schools and stuff. So, yep. um, so I started going to um, Sunday school as well, uh, became a junior soldier and basically went through the motions from there. Okay. Mm. Michelle. Uh, my um, family live in Northcote, not far from Brenda. So Northcote, for those listening um, outside of Victoria, is sort of out in a, just in a northern in a suburb, north yeah. suburbs of, yep. of Melbourne. Yep. Um, and uh, mum and dad and my two sisters were up at up at the local pub one Friday night and the Solvos came in. And uh, mum wanted us to go to Sunday school. Or she just wanted to get rid of us for a while on a Sunday, <laughs> more What's likely. The yeah. And uh, he gave her the times and uh, some uh, salvationists that live not far from us used to pick us up on the way, uh, the Purdies, June, Major June Purdy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they were, yeah, they she lived, was the officer at the time? No, 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 no. They were just soldiers of the corps okay. and they would come by our house and pick us up. And then from then we learnt, you know, about the netball and the holiday program and things like that. And yeah, and it stuck. People listening will be wondering what position you played in netball, so let's get that out of the way. Goalkeeper? Uh, goal attack in the early mm. days. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, obviously, I mean, the invitation, the personal invitation to come along is, you know, it, actually in all the episodes we've done, it sort of comes up that someone mm. came along because of personal invitation. But if 
We talk about officership now. You're both serving in very different appointments um, and have different experiences. Could you tell us a little bit about the appointments that you've had, some of those experiences and what you're currently doing? Uh, yep. So we had seven years in core appointments, <clears throat> my husband and I, Kelvin. Uh, so we were in New Norfolk in Tasmania for four years and then out in Cranbourne for three years. Um, and then uh, my current appointment at the training college is where I've been for the last five years. And your role at the college uh, at the moment? Uh, so at the moment, I'm the coordinator of personal and spiritual formation for cadets. Good. Michelle? I, um, I, my husband, Jason, and I didn't go to college. We were part of the lieutenant scheme um, way back. I don't know when that was, Matt. When was that? It was a while ago. Yeah. And <laughs> um, we were appointed to be chaplains at the crisis centre at St Kilda and the bridge program and run the chapel down on in St Kilda as well. So we did that for a year and then we were asked to... Um, take on Brunswick Corps. So we did that for five years. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yep. so then yeah. from there, Jason went into uh, DHQ as DSPS. <laughs> and I went to as chaplain to uh, the Broadmeadows Magistrates Court. Oh, wow. So I was there for five years. And then from there, I've had two years at, um, at adult services. And then now I'm this is my second year back at St Kilda, just at the crisis centre. Okay. So crisis, adult services. Crisis network. Is? Yeah. Uh, Flagstaff, James Barker House. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Open Door, Aged Care. Okay. So it's a network of services that cover um, mostly, uh, you know, they do uh, housing for men. Yep. But in the aged care, it's okay. co-ed and... So like the St Kilda Crisis Network, Yep. Correct. tell us a bit about that. Uh, it consists of the Crisis Centre on Grey Street. Next door is um, a health centre, Access Health, uh, where people can access doctors and podiatrists and referrals to dentists and things like that. And they run groups around healthy eating, sexual health nurse, uh, nursing services. Do they still have the needle exchange yeah, Needles, in St Kilda? Yep, that's covered with... By the by, Access Health, but it's actually positioned in the crisis centre, okay. so that's twenty four seven. Yep, uh, people can go and get uh, clean needles and return dirty ones, and they, it's a range of health information and condoms and things like that uh, for girls working on the streets. Um, we also have upstairs at Access Health uh, family violence program, which is uh, one of the largest in in uh, Victoria and. The girls there do fantastic, fantastic, yeah. and it's growing all the time. Um, and then down at Upton Road, there's a, a purpose-built building for uh, youth and family services. So it's Youth Ecom, and they take in families as well. So your role as the chaplain at the Secure to Crisis Network, yep. what, what what would a, a typical day, I mean, what is a typical yeah, day, yeah. but <laughs> what 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 does it look like for you each day? Um, it well, I'm really lucky the the manager, the general manager, Jenny Plant there, is um, really keen to have a chaplain down there, but one that wants to use their strengths and, and do what is true to them. And uh, she gives me free reign to do whatever I like. And How long so, has she been the manager there for? Is it a uh, long time? Like 20 years or yeah, something. Yeah, okay. yeah, she's quite amazing. And uh, she's really built up the ethos, ethos of the place and, the you know, um, the focus of you know, the programs. Yeah. She's quite amazing. Um, so I will, 
at the moment I'm doing a PLP with a young man who's been referred by, from a Rabin uh, Justice Centre. Um, I'll do uh, pick up people to go to health appointments through Access Health. Oh, once a month we run a, a pet clinic on a Sunday evening oh, okay. for people who can't afford to see a, a vet with their pet. And yeah. um, a lot of my referrals are from there. So I, I assist and coordinate that clinic. And um, I've met a lot of people through there and it's gone from working with them and their pet to, you know, more issues around them. So um, we dissect cats and dogs and vaccinations and worming and things like that. But from there, I've, you know, met uh, quite a few women who are in further need. And so we've been able to access other services for them. So there's no typical day. It no. is just, you it's know, whatever question. comes re- through the door. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, and it's whatever I make of it as well. So I can, if um, there's something particular happening, uh, I can get really involved in that. We've recently become the first Australian uh, Salvation Army service to attain Rainbow Tick accreditation. So I've been part of the Rainbow Tick yep. group. The group, yeah. Yep, to um, make sure that we meet all the standards for Rainbow Tick. Um, and that's been really interesting. We have another group around reconciliation with our Indigenous people. And, um, you know, there's all kinds of different working groups that you can get on. So yeah. I'm really, we've been encouraged to just pick something that really is passionate. Get involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah that we're passionate about. And Great. Yeah. There's lots we could talk about that and we'll, yep. we'll come back to some of that. But Brenda, can I ask you a question around, if I said, ask you what um, being a Salvation Army officer was, like how do you describe that to people listening who perhaps are exploring full-time ministry or perhaps are officers now trying to answer that question <laughs> for themselves? <laughs> mm, I'll be interested in the answer. Yeah. Come on, oh, We're I, all need this, I need this answer. <laughs> oh, look, I think there are lots of expectations around... Um, what an officer looks like, what an officer does. And I actually think that at the end of the day, um, it's about being true to who you are in service to God, you know, Mm. and I think that that looks different for for everybody. So I hear Michelle talk about her day-to-day work, which is so completely different to mine. Yeah. Um, But we both operate out of a sense of who we are, who we know ourselves to be, um, and and put our, I guess, our strengths to work in, in the service of God. And um, and it's the kind of privilege, I guess, of officership to be able to do that full time um, and to not have to, you know, uh, be worried about making a living on the side or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How, how would you answer that question, Michelle? Okay, what's the question again? Uh, what is a beautiful what, answer being like a Salvation Army officer? What does that mean? Look like, or what mm. does it mean? To me, it's not about making sure someone follows what I understand God to be or how I see God working in the world. Yep. It's about me encouraging them to understand their own journey. Mm. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And even with that, I think people have an, an idea of what that journey should look like, what yeah. it means yeah. to be a, a follower of Jesus or, you know, to be, you know, profess a Christian faith. I think people have also um, expectations of what that looks like as though it's it fits a particular mould as well. Yeah. And so everybody has a different journey toward God mm. um, and toward understanding who God is for them. Um, and, and just, you know, I think a large part of it is actually if you're going to know God, you've got to know yourself. 
and so that's that's a big part of people's journey and yeah. a lot of the work we do, whether it be in perhaps, you know, chaplaincy services or even in the work that I do with cadets, is helping people to know themselves um, so that they might know God. <laughs> yeah, that's mm. good. I mean, I'm thinking, Michelle, about um, the, what you do down at St Kilda. Now, St Kilda, for those of you who don't know, is in just on the outskirts of the CBD. It's a fairly hot spot. I think it's quite... Um, how would you describe? I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it without being too flippant or not being sincere enough. But it is a it's cosmopolitan, uh, cosmopolitan, sort of, you know, mm-hmm. lot of street trendy, workers. Uh, yep, a, um, yep. Over the years, I suppose it's been known for quite a big drug yep. kind of culture, homelessness, homelessness. Yes. Um, now, I, and I, we sit here, and I, I think of the work that Brenda does, which is brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think of the work that you're you've talked about, and they're very different, but they're kind of the same if that makes sense, in what you said about leading people to, yep. a, to a journey. How, how do you in St Kilda, like you're not, people aren't sitting around waiting for a church to start singing in harmony so they'll join. Like there's people that are, like in every suburb, are completely broken. Yep. Like what, what do you do as an officer um, charged, I guess, with that responsibility to take the good news and to, you know, help the broken and bring life and all its fullness and all the verses and cliches we can think of. How do you how do you live that out? That's a good question. I, I think that I have got just a tendency to, I have have I have in myself a tendency towards um, uh, the least and the last in the in society. I've always been really aware of the um, inequity in in what you know in society where some people have a lot and some people have have none. Um, I, I don't. I don't have a prescription for no, anything okay. that I do, but it's about just meeting people where they're at mm. and 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 discussing and uh, discussing things that are in, important to them and letting them lead yeah. the direction. And if I have to, and sometimes I mention God, and sometimes I don't. That's up to them as well. So yeah. it's just a journey, and yep. it's does and it it doesn't. It, I don't cure anyone's life or. Uh, wave a magical wand, but you know, crisis work is quite different to anything that's a bit longer term, and you you may not see it, that mm. person again. So um, it's not called a crisis centre because it's yeah, because we have people sitting it? around. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is. You know, people come. And it, so it, to me, it's about good referrals. Yeah. You know, so if I can make sure that wherever I'm sending that person or. Um, we're giving our workers the best resources within the Salvation Army context. What did you do before you went to college, Brenda? Uh, I was a secondary teacher. Yeah. So I, I taught uh, mostly senior secondary. And my areas were um, English and accounting. Accounting. Hmm. Excellent. What did you do? Yeah, I always wonder how I ended up in accounting, <laughs> but somehow I did. Physics? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no physics. <laughs> I am... Um, Worked for in admin okay. quite a bit, mm. and I ended up working at Crossroads for many years for the Salvation Army in Brunswick. In Is that where Crossroads Ascot Vale? Is? Okay, yeah, yeah. When they're when they're in Ascot Vale, and um, then I went back uh, because previous to that I worked in admin in schools, and then I went back to Mill Park Secondary College actually, and worked there for a while. And Jason had also left his work at Crossroads and gone into computing, and we just came to a, a kind of point where we just felt not not fulfilled. Yeah. It was um, 
the money was okay and it was great, but it was just something missing something around. Something missing? Yeah. So that, that leads me to my next question. When did you decide or when did you feel that God was pushing you or prompting in the area to go from, and I'm assuming you are both at Northcote at that stage still? Mm-hmm. Yep. Perhaps, yeah. Yep. So you're at Northcote and then you decide something, it's it's time to to reset the course mm. perhaps of what you're going to do. What, what was... The, Tell us about that. Like, I know a lot of people explore their calling in different ways. Um, so everyone's unique, but also our stories help mm. other people yep. in that journey mm. as well. So, I um, I've always had a gut feeling that you know I could do, I should be doing this kind of work. Okay, and it Good. and so, for as a kid at a Salvation Army Corps that didn't have parents there, um, I really related to the stories of Jesus around helping people and encouraging and uplifting people. Um, And then I encountered an officer who asked me to do the pubs with them. And so I started doing that. And it changed the way I saw ministry. So Mm. then I I came in touch with, became in touch with, you know, people who I, I felt were missing out on some things in life and that we could offer them, you know, relationships and friendships and, and opportunities that, you know, that they didn't have. So um, when we both, Jason and I both left uh, Crossroads because it was kind of heavy going work and we needed a bit of a break. And um, after a few years back in industry or whatever, we were just um, uninspired and it just felt, just had that gut feeling again. Yep. And the lieutenant system sort of came up because I didn't want to go to college and I knew that I wouldn't survive that, uh, that environment. And um, Jason would thrive in it and I would shrink. So we thought this is actually a really good opportunity for us to uh, even just kind of, you know, see how it goes. We would committed for five years to do that and just see how it goes. And if that led to college, fine. Because we were warranted on the side. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, Divisional yeah. Divisional meeting Preston. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Hamo, sorry. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Hamilton. Hamilton. And also okay. the officer who took me to do pubs. <laughs> oh, was he? Oh, <laughs> yes. So he dragged you from the, the hall to the pubs? Yeah. yeah Great. Yeah. All right. What about you, Brenda? What's your, do you remember your decision or for you and Kelvin, what, yeah. what that looked like? Um, Kelvin had had a sense of it quite um, early on or in his late sort of teenage years. Um, I probably also had that, but um, in, I guess, the arrogance of my youth, I... I felt like, um, you know, it was people telling me that that's what I should do or that they thought that I would be okay at that. Um, And I remember thinking, well, you know, why would God tell you and not me? And so I put some fairly, you know, um, stringent requirements around how God might tell me. Um, And, and of course, it never happened that way. (laughs) So life just went on. Um, But I think for me... uh, the, the kind of pivotal period of time where my thinking changed was a kind of cluster of events that have impacted my family. So I lost a brother to cancer when he was 37 um, and he left a, behind a wife and, you know, three young children. Um, another of um, my brother's marriage relationship broke down after a number of years and so my mother also got cancer. Um, so there's a series of things like that that just kind of I guess, stopped me in my tracks and and caused me to question what life was actually really all about. Um, And 
I guess, refocus and reprioritise the things that were important and the things that mattered to me. Uh, and I think out of that, probably some questioning of who God was and, and how God, um, you know, participated in the world. Uh, and so some reshaping and rethinking around that, which then uh, took me to the point where I I actually stopped um, demanding that I needed to have some particular kind of sign and came to the realisation that I actually needed to have some kind of commitment to this. You know, I actually had to say yes. I actually had to be prepared to, to do it, that actually it was, you know, it was a decision for me to make and I... And I I do very distinctly remember that at the point where I made that decision and I started to tell a few people um, the sense of, uh, you know, and I, I, it sounds cliched, but that sense of peace or that sense of well-being that came as a result of that uh, was the confirmation that I, you know, needed. I guess the point is that we're all called differently and whether it's through circumstances that help us evaluate mm. what's going on or just a, a nudge. For people who, who listen to this and people who are exploring ministry, what would you say to your pre-officership self? I, I would probably say things like, uh, you can do this and it's going to look different to probably the way you're told to do it sometimes and that's okay. Don't mm -hmm. be so hard on yourself and um, be yourself because yeah. that's what God values you know, authenticity and real and I, relationships with people. Yeah. yeah. And I think with our, um, like with the new Australia One stuff that's rolling out, this sort of desire, whether it's aspiration or current now about, be, you know, diversity and like, we do need to be a diverse army, yeah. which requires yeah. all sorts of people yeah. who think all sorts of different things around, yeah. you know, a lot of issues. I mean, there's open fist stuff, there's closed fist issues, but I think... For some of us, um, like my, my experience would be that I come from a, like, I'm probably a, a classic, grew up in the core, did certain things, you know, got enrolled, mm. became a Christian, <laughs> and in that <laughs> order, uh, maybe, um, you know, all those sort of elements to it. But I think the army need people who think differently and who, who approach stuff. Yeah, I think you're um, right. I think that, mm. you know, and, and Brenda and I are kind of uh, typical of that kind of as well because we have families that are not uh, entrenched mm. in the army at yeah. yours lesser than mine and so we experience something different outside of our mm. working yep. and when we get together with our families there's a different um, expression of life and some of that which sometimes um, holds us back a bit but um, you know it's good to speak that back into the army to, yeah. to you have yeah, experience yeah. Yeah. other than just, and not to say, and you know, I don't have all the answers, and I don't um, disregard anybody else's experience. This is just mine, mm. you know. So mm, yeah. I, mm. I value my time away with my family who are are not army, yeah. because it gives me a reminder of, you know, there's. Yeah, be, there's something beyond it, and there's yeah. you know there's. I think you ask different little, questions of the organisation yeah, yeah. when you have um, input from, you know, non-selvo kind of mm. yeah. sources, and yeah, I, I even in a conversation last week it was we were interesting perspectives around the whole alcohol, mm. you know, and, and re refraining from from drinking within the army, and how uh, for people who have grown up in that and had you know family you know, on both sides often and 
who who are salvos and they don't. There's just no questions around that. Whereas my family, yeah, drink, yeah, as do mine, and um, yeah, and sometimes so it, it leaves you feeling like you're the pooper, the party pooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you bring a different. Yeah. I mean, that's just one little example, yeah. but yeah. you bring a different, different questions and different perspectives. Yeah, because it's it's not just about what we do. It's like, and this comes up every podcast. It's not what we do; it's who we are. Like mm. in terms of yeah, our ministry. It's not like we. We don't think certain thoughts at work or, you know, and then when we go be our family, all of a sudden everything changes and we, mm, we, mm. we sort of alternate that. Yeah. Would you say officership is freeing? Uh, I, I would say there's been times when I would have said definitely not. Okay. Um, but I think that I've come to the realisation that that's, that's to some extent dependent on me. Um, you know, I think I, I probably fell into the trap of when I felt that way, that it wasn't freeing, that I could point the finger and, and blame circumstances or structures or systems or yeah. people or whatever. And I think I've come to the realisation that um, that I still have a lot of personal power in this space and that, you know, I, I choose sometimes to submit to um, the broader organisation and what it requires of me. Uh, but at the same time, I, I don't have to um, compromise who I am or what I bring. And that in actual fact, um, you know, there's a, there's a, I have quite a, a, quite a bit of liberty um, at any one time. And it's, it's, it's just acknowledging that, I think, um, you know, and, and not being ruthless or, you know, um, single-minded about that, but yeah. I, and I as guess. you get, uh, do, you th- do you think that as you get older and as you are an officer longer, um, you feel more comfortable about what you take a stand on? Yeah, and I, what th- you, I think and that's you, true yeah, too. Yeah. 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 You, you feel th- that freedom. I feel mm. that freedom. The longer I'm an officer, the more I will challenge, um, mm. you know, internal The things that matter yeah. to you. Certainly some parts of the Salvation Army is not freeing, you know, um, the, you know, the movement of officers and, and things like that, I think sometimes is not, but, and I've heard, you know, mm. and that's not been an issue for us, but I, I've heard stories where that has not been freeing. But, um, yeah, but I, I think that there is room to be able to speak into some things that are, you're not uh, fully on board with or, yeah. yeah. Maybe, which is, which maybe is influence the organisation for something different, yeah. yeah mm. And I think you, that comes with experience as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, you know, maybe perhaps in the early days you think, oh, I don't agree with that, but okay. And you know, in the early days <laughs> you just want to be, like, we want to toe the line in a way. Yeah, you want to <laughs> yeah. actually be good enough to pass. It didn't last very long, did it? Yeah. yeah. You, you, you want to be good. You want to make sure that you, <laughs> yeah. you do the stuff. And yep, yep, I can yep. remember thinking, um, why do they just wear their uniform? Why are they whinging about that? And, you know, look at me yeah. today. I don't, oh, I'm full I blues. Don't, oh, yeah, I don't fantastic. wear a uniform. <laughs> so I hardly wear it to work, but I wear a symbol of the uniform, yeah. which makes other people feel more comfortable where I work. Yeah. yeah. Um, and makes me feel more comfortable too. But um, I can remember thinking, you know, why don't they, they just, just toe the line? Just, yeah, what's the big deal? But, yeah, it does. <laughs> well, I mean, there is a sense with get, some things that you... I still, I still think that to be honest. I just, it just be just toe the line and let's get on with it. But mm. there are other things where I, you know, would go to the end. Mm. You know, like yeah. I would see mm. that. And so. that's the great thing because you know we're all different and we all have those different places where we're going to push, you know, push yeah. the line, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so you do things about whatever you're passionate about. I push 
yep. the line where mm. I want to, and so does Brenda. So it's sort of, you know, I, I think it's awesome. It gives yeah. some balance and, mm. and things, yeah. I think it adds to the sort of the uniqueness of the Salvation Army as well. Mm. As a movement um, in, in suburbs and cities, um, that we, mm. we, we actually embrace that. I still wish some people would do as they're told, but <laughs> I'm sure some people wish I would do as I was told as well. So. I love the people who don't do what they're told. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we, we, maybe that, maybe that, another episode. Another episode. That's another podcast. <laughs> um, so you're in. Uh, you're at the college at the moment doing spiritual. Uh, I should know this. Um, yeah, personal and spiritual. Personal formation. and spiritual yep. formation. Uh, and you're at St Kilda Crisis Centre. Um, how do you sustain your own spiritual? Mm. journey Yep. Um, in the context. I mean, obviously you spend a lot of time with other people, helping mm-hmm. them through that process. Yep. How, how do you do that, Brenda? And then Michelle, same for you. I mean, mm. very different experiences of where, where that might take place. And really place. different people. So we're kind of yep. not opposite personalities at all, but uh, Brenda's an introvert and yeah. I'd be, I'm an extrovert. So yeah. yeah. I think for me, I again, I, I can look back at the early days of my officership and say that I didn't set myself up well um, in terms of being able to be sustained. Uh, but I discovered along the way that um, this was too big a thing to be doing it on my own. Mm. And so I really then discovered the importance of um, supervision um, and of having other people speak into the space that I was working in who could help me, um, you know, be objective around decisions that I needed to make or, um, you know, situations and circumstances that I had to deal with, uh, I realised that uh, it can become very cloudy and very murky when you're faced with tough pastoral situations. Um, and that I experienced that um, I could say that it, I, I, I think on in retrospect, looking back, sometimes I didn't handle things as well as I would have liked to because I was not, um, I hadn't set myself up to be supported well enough. And I've realised that now. And I think, um, and, and sometimes I keep saying that the proof is sort of in the pudding, mm. uh, but I, I feel like I am a much more resilient person now. And I also feel like I know the sorts of things that I need in my life. And part of that for me also is, um, you know, time to read and time to process, time to think, time to reflect. Mm. Um, And in core ministry, particularly where you just go from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing or the next person and the next, you know, tragic circumstance or whatever, Mm. as as sometimes is the case. um, Yeah, I discovered that I, you know, I wasn't doing enough reflecting and I wasn't doing enough... um, processing to make good. We lose charge. You yeah. sort of yeah. become diminished in yeah. in reserves. So yeah, speak. absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. And you can, and and for me, and I get this, it's different, different things for different people, but for me, what that led into was, um, you know, a, a trying to please everybody and the realisation that actually you can't, you can't do that all the time. Uh, so then how do you make decisions about, you know, <laughs> who is the right person to please in that right moment or, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. And people are complex and, and not mm. everybody, and I don't uh, say this w- with a view to get some bad feedback, but not not everybody in a core is thinking let's uplift our officers and, yep. make, you know, let's make this as easy as possible because mm. people are people. Yep. Um, and everyone comes to a core with different expectations and yep. hopes and dreams and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. 
Um, and but the responsibility of being a leader, um, mm. that that's a pretty it's a heavy weight mm. to carry, and you don't carry it alone. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Michelle? I realise that I don't know all the answers, sort of fairly early on, <laughs> and so I kind of sit with that. Did Jason tell you that? Mm, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Did a PhD on it. Um, so just kind of taking that pressure off yourself mm. to, you know, someone comes to me, you know, in my roles as a chaplain over the years, um, I don't have the right answers for them and I am just a resource to maybe help them uh, sort out a bit of what, the, how they understand their situation or how how they want to proceed with their life. So um, early on I felt the pressure to fix everyone and everything and so but to sustain myself, I've had to realise I don't know all the answers for everyone and that's okay. And uh, that that took a lot of pressure off but uh, and also opened up an avenue for me, which I love, which is exploring where people want to go with their lives and how they understand God working in their life or, um, you know, it, even the process of getting someone onto Centrelink or something is, you know, helpful for them, but also it builds up a relationship and a trust and, yeah. you know, and that. So how do I sustain myself? You know, I, I have, I've taken the pressure off around me solving everyone's life issues and letting them speak into that more mm. for themselves. And I have um, a fascination with cats. I love cats. <laughs> and so I have some cats. So I like to pat my cats so that I like spend time with my cats and mm. I have a dog that's overpowering as well. So I do a lot of, like, I see a lot of God in nature and mm. uh, creatures other than humans. I see, you know, the workings of God there and I enjoy that. So I have time off and, and, and spend time with them and care for them and, you know, uh, get on the, get on the um, Animals Australia sort of website and try and do some animal advocacy and things around. Okay. I'm interested in that kind of stuff. So that kind of fills me up. And mm. because I'm an extrovert, I like to spend time with people. So and that kind of makes makes me feel better. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's good. It's a balance, yeah. We need, I, I you need don't need to my find validation, balance. but I think it's good. Like everybody mm. finds um, different ways to yeah. kind of cope. And yeah. Need to refresh. need the balance. Have you found, the, Bren, the balance kind of kids and mm. office ship yeah. and well, home the, and yeah. all that kind of stuff, you know, I needed to, there's been times where I've had to pull back from, you know, work and say, okay, I need to actually concentrate on this home stuff yeah. a bit. But then you know, that's the great thing about chaplaincy too. It's given me some flexibility around that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The whole, the, the work-life balance thing that's, is interesting yeah. when we don't sort of think we're, we don't work, we're who we are, that sort of mm. language. But, um, it doesn't really exist. It, it's seasonal. And I mean, we've yeah. got young kids, so yeah. we've got very young kids and you know, wake up in the morning, yeah. roll the dice and let's just find out what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I suspect that that doesn't get any better as they get older. Yeah, it just changes. But don't, bit, don't yeah. ruin it for me. So I'm, okay. I'm hoping that it does. <laughs> right. But um, but there is that degree of flexibility <laughs> to be able to do that. Yeah, and, yeah. And seasonal kind of stuff. And, and different appointments allow that to happen in perhaps maybe a, a different way or a unique mm. kind of way. Yeah. But I we do have I, responsibilities for our families as well. Yeah. I, I think obviously. the other really um, important thing about sustaining yourself in ministry is, um, and I think it's particularly important for Salvation Army officers because we get moved around 
um, that we get moved away from our networks mm-hmm. and away from our family and our closest friends. So you have to find people um, that you can be yourself with. Yep. And that's not easy when you're in a place that, you know, is quite isolated from your networks. Um, and so I think there were times over the early years of my officership where I didn't pay enough attention to that either. And again, that's a priority for me now is to try and make sure that those relationships are nurtured and, um, you know, that I've got people that, you know, I can share my bad day with if I need to or, yeah, what's old, going on. The old download. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which yeah. is good. When you started out in ministry, so back, we've talked about, you know, that moment when you started, is, did anyone pull you aside and say, actually, I just need to let you know that officership will be like this? Hmm. Um, any words of wisdom? And again, if you were, if you could pull someone aside now who's going through the same thought process that you were going through those years ago, would, is there some advice you would give them? Uh, one of the things that I often ask cadets is, what is it about you that God has called? So when people come into the, the college, um, you know, they, they bring themselves <laughs> and they bring, yeah. their, they bring their baggage and they bring all their good, you know, positive strengths. And so I often say, what is it about you? Why, why did God call you? You know, what do you bring that maybe somebody else doesn't bring or whatever? So I think it's, um, I think my advice to people is, you know, and it doesn't matter whether you're training residentially or whether you're, you know, a cadet in appointment or whatever, but it is do the work to know yourself. Do the work to kind of understand who you are and what it is that's unique about you that you bring because then you, if you operate comfortably out of that, then you're safe in that, you know. I think there's a security around that that makes that gives you the freedom to be exactly who God's called you to be and you're most effective when you're operating out of that anyway. Yeah, it's always easier to be yourself and somebody else or to a version yeah. of yourself that isn't yeah. true. But, yeah. I think but, people... but it's also difficult in a kind of a structured organisation to mm. be yourself when they're saying, when you feel the pressure that this is what they want. You know, this is what the organisation wants. So, but I'm actually over here and I'm not exactly fit into what they want. Yeah. So I think that is really difficult to be yourself. I think that if I was going to say something to someone, I'd say, know what you really are going to stand for and stand for it no matter what. Well, thanks very much for joining us. It's been great. Unless there's any other questions, comments, or you'd like to pose or... I'd like to know where you're going with the beard. Down. Is it like, is it going <laughs> full I'm, I'm, I'm heading to wizard stage. Oh, nice. <laughs> Actually, I'm I, waiting I, for plats and beads. I, I, I spoke at a breakfast the other week and um, this guy said to me, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, sure. He goes, how'd you grow your beard? No. I said, oh, stop shaving. He goes, no, seriously, how? <laughs> <laughs> I was like. No, seriously, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get any easier than that. Um, anyway, thanks very much. Wish you no. all the best, um, particularly in your appointments, um, your families and all that sort of stuff. And uh, if you've got any questions uh, that you'd like to put to Brenda or Michelle, just let us know. You can hit us up on the Facebook page or you can send us an email and I'm sure they'd be more than happy to follow up with you. So yeah, All the questions you send to me, I'll send to Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what we all do. Yeah, that was my plan. <laughs> okay, thanks. 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 Thanks for joining us for more about Officership. You can join the conversation at facebook.com forward slash SA Candidates Australia. If you want to explore officership further, please speak to your local core officer or candidate secretary. The Salvation Army needs more leaders. Is God asking for more of you?